Episode 224 for April 2013. The Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast is sponsored by MailOrderComics.com. They have discounts that start at 38 and they go up to 75% off the cover price of new comics and trades. An example on this episode is on Superior Spider-Man number 11. In this one, Jameson calls on Spock to oversee the scheduled execution of the Spider-Slayer. Now, the cover price is $3.99. Mail order has it for just $2.47, which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at MailOrderComics.com. Welcome back, gang. We're starting this show with the gang tackling reviews of the most recent Superior titles. Oh, Superior number six. Uh, let's see here. Well, it begins by Mayor Jameson holding a press conference where he is advocating shutting down the supervillain prison, the Raft, because, well, apparently the Raft isn't very good at what it does because the supervillains are always escaping. So he wants to shut the Raft down, and he also wants to make the, uh, using a superpower to commit a, pr- a crime a mandatory 10-year sentence. And before anybody can tell the mayor what a stupid and bankrupt idea that is, as if, you know, the fact that a crime committed with a superpower is any worse than the crime itself that's being committed. But anyway, besides, before anyone calls himself, came out on that, uh, we get two stupid and bankrupt characters, uh, the jester and the relentlessly annoying brand new day refugee, Screwball. Uh, they descend upon the press conference and broadcast their antics uh, across the internet because that's what hip new cool villains do these days is they call off the latest technology and we're all <laughs> supposed to say, oh, you know, what cool hip and, you know, every, you know, vill- villains they are and how cool and hip are the writers for bringing up such a, you know, cool and hip current reference. But anyway, okay, hey, so the get. The gimmick here, they're going to, you know, they, 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 they are gimmick appears at first. They just want to humiliate the mayor. So they throw a pie in his face and they pants him. And then for some odd reason, all of the citizens in New York think that this is incredibly funny and not something that went out with vaudeville and the three stooges. So, you know, whatever. Uh, so, you know, JJJ being, you know, JJ being thoroughly mad decides to call the superior Spider-Man in. And one's going to take down these two clowns, you know. And, of course, at first, you know, Peter Puss says, well, that's a dumb idea. It's a waste of time going, to, going after a couple of pranksters, you know. And then all of a, you know, and then all of a sudden he remembers, hmm, I seem to remember a certain prankster who used to like my, used to like to web my glasses and make fun of me. And, and he says, too. you know what? You know what, Jonah? I will go kick these guys' ass. So he decides that he's gonna, you know. So he sets up his spider bots on patrol, and he's going to, um, he's going to uh, look for uh, Screwball and Jester. Excuse me. <coughs> anyway, so anyway, the, the Avengers are having one of their, uh, you know, one of their coffee table discussions, and they say, you know, gee, Spider Man's acting kind of weird lately. You know, and of course, everybody who's reading this goes, duh, how long did it take you to figure that out, morons? Uh, and, uh, and, and the one person who actually has any sense is Wolverine, believe it or not. You know, they said, well, he's beating up people and killing people or whatever. We can't have that. And then Wolverine says, hey, wait a minute. I do that all the time. And, uh, so, you know, so it's like, yeah, that kind of makes sense, you know, that uh, he would, wouldn't think that anything was wrong. I mean, or, or too wrong uh, that Spider-Man was doing this. But uh, so anyway, so now we get the inclination that the, the Avengers think that something's wrong. All right. So anyway, on his way, he, you know, anyway, uh, Peter slash Peter Push slash Octopus Spock, whatever you want to call him. He's, <laughs> um, you know, he's on his way to meet his scholastic partner, the ever endearing and rather petite uh, Ms. Anna Maria Marconi. And um, so on, on the way to uh, on the way to to, uh, to meet her, he happens to uh, see that she's being uh, kind of harassed by a couple of Neanderthals uh, in what apparently is their usual routine of making fun of her because of her demure size. And then that gives him one of those, you know, mental flashbacks to his anguished youth where he was ridiculed and humiliated and the, and the, the bully stomped on his glasses, which... 
believe it or not, plays a key role in the uh, near, in the conclusion of this story. So anyway, so after after he changes back to Peter Parker, he says, uh, "You know what, Anna? I uh, I saw what those couple punks die or did. You want me to like beat the living shit out of them?" And, uh, <laughs> and she says, "Oh no!" She gives him the cliche of because I'm bigger than that. And I'm sit and I sit here and think, "Ha ha!" Did you, the reader, get the subtle irony of a little person saying that she was bigger than that? That is really clever writing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yuck, yuck, yuck. Yeah, really. So anyway, but but, but the reason Anna wants to Peter uh, wanted to meet Peter is because she wants to have him make peace with the Schnoz, you know, who you know basically the uh, you know basically Don the Schnoz Lamaz, who is basically the physics professor with the prominent proboscis. Anyway, so you know. Because Peter made fun of him, uh, because as Doc Ock, he knows that the guy's an utter moron. So they start to sit down and they start to have coffee together, and and uh, Peter is sitting there just absolutely miserable, thinking, you know, well, no wonder Peter Parker dresses up as Spider-Man and beats the hell out of crooks because he can't beat the hell out of all these losers he comes across in his daily life. Anyway, so then we go back to Screwball and Jester, you know, as if because the audience was demanding to know what they were up to. So we find out that they're crashing the mayor's press conference wasn't just for a, a joke or a laugh or to promote a new comedy act. No, they were uh, initiating some scheme where everybody who clicked on the link to watch their video would be sent like a worm or something, would, or they would have their credit card accounts hacked into, and, of course, these guys <laughs> being crooks, you know, would steal all their money. So, aha, uh -huh, so they're just not, you know, they're just not pranksters. You know, they're, they're crooks, and so they deserve what they get coming to them. Anyway, so... Doc's Doctor Octopus's spider bot goes off, you know, during the uh, during the uh, coffee meet, uh, table meeting here, and he rudely rudely departs. But as he's about to change, as he changes to Spider Man, he sees the punks who were harassing uh, his little woman, and he says, eh, "You know, I can't <laughs> leave quite yet. I got something to do here." <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> so what then when when Ms. Marconi goes out to her car and you know she sees all this crowd of people, you know she's going what the heck is going on? And she happens to see that one of the punks car is completely trashed and the two jerks are crammed and locked into the trunk. You right. know, and rather than taking the sheer delight in it that she should, she begins to wonder, "Oh, who could do such a thing?" Well, you know, you know what, you know, lady, you're the reason why these punks exist, you know, because you put up with them. But anyway, okay, so, 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 so anyway, so Spider-Man finds Screwball and uh, and Jester, but he's not. But it, it, it what actually is kind of clever, he's ready to fight them in a conventional supervillain smackdown way, and mm -hmm. they completely throw him off his, his game. By, you know, first of all, Screwball playing the helpless girl. Oh, you hit me in the boob, you bad man. You know, <laughs> which is the thing is, though, I mean, for a guy who was staring at Mary Jane's boobs, you know, a few <laughs> issues ago, and he's apologizing for hitting this chick's boobs. I, you know, OK, anyway, didn't quite make it make a difference. He wasn't. I thought that he wasn't looking to motorboat them. OK, I, I thought that. Wait, 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 wait. What was that word that you used? Motor motor. Motorboat. <laughs> is that like yeah, a I, young person thing? You know, you. you know. Uh, well, what you do, Jr. Is that you take the? No, oh, no, 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 no. I have an idea what you do. I just, you know, I just didn't think of such an obscure way of referring to it. You know, I mean, I usually <laughs> would just ever pinch him. You know, but motorboat. <laughs> You know, back in my just pinched them. They we didn't even have to get on the boat. Yeah, you know, uh, back, you know, back in my day, you know. Uh, so I thought the, the punching in the boob scene was pretty funny, and and then the the punching in the crotch, kicking in the crotch was pretty funny too. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, that's why I was saying because he's ready to fight him in a you know conventional superhero superhero right. way, and they come at him and they totally throw him off his game, exactly. which is pretty clever because he's not expecting this. But right. then, but he's forced to rip his eyepieces off. Uh, in order to see because of the paint balloon, and the jester stomps on his glasses. You know, cue yep. the ominous music. And then we get to the part where I'm trying to think of why Brad asked me to read this one. And I think the reason is he wants me to approach these next two pages in a calm 
dispassionate way and merely sure say, he he, <laughs> and merely say, Spider Man is rude to them. The end. <laughs> right, Brad? Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, so anyway, what Spider Man does is he goes, You find it funny to humiliate people? <laughs> and then, you know, he he <laughs> the jester and slams him in the screwball and he says, Let me show you what I find amusing. How's this for broad physical comedy, asshole? You know? <laughs> Not so funny, what is it? Your expense, is it? Bam! And then he hits him. Bam! And then blood spurts out. And then bam! More blood spurts out. You're not laughing now, are you? You know, and and of course, Jonah's enjoying it. Yeah, that'll show him. Yeah, yeah. You know, and Mary Jane is going, oh, Peter, that's horrible, you know. And, you know, and, and Spider-Man's going, you heard me. If this is so damn funny, laugh! You know. <laughs> And then Tony the Avengers Stark aren't amusing. Built it in a day, yeah. <laughs> in a cave. And the uh, that, and that's why I wanted JR to review you know, it. Well, you know, hey, we gotta bring him in, you know. You know, and then Doc is just going, Gone clown, laugh this off And and anyway, so Ghost Peter or Ghost Spidey shows up, you know, and he says, Oh no, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know, <laughs> And says, well, this is your last chance. What do you have to say for yourselves? You know, and then, yeah. of course, Screwball says, I guess some people can't take a joke. You know, and Ghost, and Ghost Spider-Man says, says, what have you done? Wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, story time and in JR's house is great. <laughs> oh, supposed to feel sorry for these punks, you know? I mean, you know, so what? You know, maybe there would be less crime and a few less punks if they routinely got the shit beat out of them, you know? <laughs> I mean, I don't get it. It's like, how do, you, how, do you, how do you get rid of crime? You know, you get rid of the criminal. Beat, you know, that's it. That's why yeah. he's got the right approach. I don't know what the hell is wrong with all these other pussies. But anyway, yeah. so that's the story, you know, and now it's going to be continued in Amazing in, in Superior Spider-Man number seven. So so what, what's your grade on this one, JR? <sighs> well, let me calm down here. <sighs> uh, Take a you know, it's a setup story, so it's it's got kind of the the usual weaknesses of a setup story, where it's like, okay, get to where you really want to go. Uh, it was okay. I would probably give it a I would give it a B minus, bordering yeah. on C plus. Um, I'm not happy that Ramos is back. You know, I mean, it looks like he's going to be here for a while. I mean, I prefer Stegman and that E. coli guy. I mean, frankly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, What's what's your biggest pro for it? The ending. Uh, well, the the love taps that uh, Spider Man gives the uh, the jester and the the uh, and screwball. The, the beat down, yeah. yeah. What's your, what's yeah a lot your... I like stuff in the punks in the truck and uh, you know things things of that. I, mean, I just like Doc's generally antisocial attitude. Uh, but you know the the thing, like I said, you know, there's some obvious setups now. Mary Jane's going to realize something's wrong. The Avengers realize something's wrong, and obviously Ms. Marconi is going to think something's wrong. You know, oh gee, Peter, you know, you can't give punks what they really deserve. You should just tolerate them and turn the other cheek, like I do, because I've been reading, you know, the first I've been reading the Gospels, and that was Jesus says I should do. You know that kind of thing. <laughs> uh, what's so any 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 more any more cons of it? Do you, do you like the beat down? The cons are what well, the cons Cons are, like I said, the art uh, right. and, and the fact that it's, you know, it's your it's kind of your typical setup issue. So it's kind of weak there because you know you're not getting, you, you're just being led into another story more or less. Okay. But it was okay. Let's, let's go around the horn for the grades. Jr. gave it a B minus, borderline C plus. Don, what's yours? Flat C. Flat C. Zach, uh, I, I give it a I give it a C plus. Okay, Chris, a B. Okay, A minus out of me. I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot. And uh, let's go around the horn for pros. My pro, I love the beat down and the boob and the crotch shot. I literally laughed out loud in bed for that. And I liked the. Um, You're easy to please, Brad Douglas. 
That's what she said. Uh, <laughs> I just thought it was a great book. It, it showed a little bit of Doc's history, how he's a it, – it, it takes you into his mindset to how he was kind of abused as a kid. He had some bullies, etc. So, And he's taking it out now as he's the superior Spider-Man. I'll, I'll uh, bounce off of that if I could. Okay, hit it. Because um, I really enjoyed the characterization of Doc Ock um, – with uh, respect to how he associated what the am I still am I still on? Sorry, I heard a weird sound. Got no, doing something funny. Um, but how he associated Jester and Screwball with uh, the bullying he received as a child, and how he perceived the way Spider-Man treated him. Because he mentioned how Spider-Man webbed up his glasses, and glasses are the symbol for how the other kids treated him in the past, and. Mm-hmm. What Jester and Screwball did to him, they smashed his mask lenses. So all these uh, things that really, really get under Ox's skin at a deep level are tied together. And you can see why it explodes at that moment. And you can, I, I sort of, I, I felt, I felt it when he's beating those people up. I was like, yeah, I, I thought that was, that was good writing. Yeah. I, I, I liked that. I liked it a lot. Dan Slott might be one of the best Doc Ock writers. Seriously. He really gets into his head and you really understand what makes him tick and why he does what he does. Do you guys concur with that? Possibly. Mm-hmm. I, I think that this shows one reason why Doc Ock, <clears throat> Excuse me, is one of Spider-Man's greatest greatest villains because the mm-hmm. typical I mean, as is you know, typically the greatest villains are some kind of dark reflection of the hero, and I think we've always known, or you know, it's always been suggested that Doc Ock, in a way, is kind of a a reflection of the kind of person Peter Parker himself could have been, you know, had he not had like some a lot stronger moral guidance that he got from from his aunt and uncle, you know, and how he could have been a how he could have been a bitter, angry person because of how he was treated and we see though that doc you know Otto octavius without such strong moral underpinnings how that same kind of treatment affected him so yeah it's a great illustration of how the two are 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 somewhat similar yeah i concur who who else in your opinion everybody is good doc ock writers matt Lowe, i thought was good uh, i love jms's doc ock uh-huh. i think defalco could do um had a good idea how the character worked Right. Zeb Wells actually did a decent job with him in uh, that miniseries, but it 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 was just so kind of far out of continuity, and so many other weird things were done with it. It's 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 not one that's referenced too often. And welcome on the line, Mr. Bertoni. Welcome, Josh. Hello. Um, I am. Um, I can't see anything in the chat window because I'm doing the Skype from iPhone because I literally just got in the car away from work. So uh, where are we? (laughs) What's uh, what 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 have we done? To put you in context, we just started. We, Jr. just wrapped up an epic review of ama- or amazing Superior Six, and we're talking about uh, we're talking about prose. And Chris just uh, said that uh, Slot is one of the best Doc Ock writers. Would you concur with that? Um, I'd have to actually compare it to other people. Um, I, mean, I, I said I said Matt Lowe is one of my favorite Doc Ock writers. My, my issue, I like DiMatteis, but my issue with slots of Doc Ock stories that are been in Superior, and I was telling Don this earlier, is um, it, it's kind of all been the same story beat, which is Doc Ock fights a villain, you know, as Spider-Man. Doc Ock remembers something that happened to him when he was a villain, which makes him get mad. For example, with Boomerang, remembers getting his butt handed to him as the Sinister Six, gets mad and almost beats him. Fights the Vulture, remembers his dad beating him, gets mad and beats the Vulture fights um what was it like yeah jester and screwball remember spider-man humiliating him gets mad and beats him and it's it's the same story we're getting same beat. oh yeah and then cardiac you know which i guess we haven't got to that yet but the same beat fights cardiac sees his uh his stuff gets stolen gets mad beats him I just went around the horn for grades. What would you give number six for a grade um i like six a lot i mean it had, I gave it, 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 it had problems i think i'd give it a B plus. Have we done so? We've just done news and six so far, right? Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. All, all the news is done. We're on to reviews. Yeah, I liked. Uh, I mean, the issues with it, which I'm sure you guys hit up, were um, like Spider-Man shot a guy in the face, and there's no repercussions from the law, and it's like it swept under the rug. The Avengers are like Spider-Man's gone too far. He's been mean. He's been pushy. He's been a jerk. Oh, and he shot a guy in the face, and and he's rude. We've actually not talked about that yet. We we haven't talked about massacre. We can talk a little bit about that. That you know, you, 
while back, there was a common saying on this show that in order to get the full story of Spider-Man, you have to read the letters column, you have to read CBR, you have to read the Newsarama interviews. And this is another example where you have to read the Newsarama uh, interview to learn that Massacre is dead. Uh, Slot just uh, did an interview with uh, Newsarama and said, yep, there's only so much we can show on the page. However, Dr. Kafka was dead on the, <laughs> on the ground. I mean, how much can... How can we how can we uh, argue that? Anyway, yes, Massacre is dead. He shot him in the face. And so I we were wondering about, about that. that. When we get to cons, Go. though. Okay, well, we're on cons now. We just went around the well, horn for pros. I'm not done my pros yet. Oh, go ahead. What's your pro? Um, I like the, the villain of Screwball. I know that you guys like want to crucify her every month, but uh, like she's the kind of character that I think really works in a modern context. What, was she the same character that like I would like do parkour during Brand New Day and like somehow beat Spider Man? Yeah, yeah, that part I hated. But like, I think she's a cool. I think she's a fun idea for a villain. Like, you know, she uh, is, she doesn't make money and she does it in a very like kind of douchey way. But she's not like you know, she's not a you know a real more immoral kind of person. She's just kind of like you know this this annoying person. And um, I thought the oh no, she's fishing for people's credit card numbers. She's a hacker. She's a fish. Yeah. yeah. A bad person. Well, I mean, like, you know, she's, she's not. Yeah, like, this, this, she's an identity thief. She's yeah. Well, she didn't used to do that. She was basically like an internet fame whore, and I didn't like how they changed her motivation for this. That, like, now, you know, there's a scheme within her scheme. Instead of, like, trying to get website hits, she's legitimately, like, trying to, like, steal people's identities. Yeah. I, I, th- I thought it was much more real world before where she was just, like, a celebrity whore. Right. Uh, Josh, do you have your windows down? No, I'm. Uh, it's probably the AC. I don't know. Okay. I know. I'm. I'm driving. I literally like just dropped off the last kid, and <laughs> yeah, and connected the right. guy via car. So that's cool. Uh, any other pros before we move on to cons? I like the art. You like the art, Zach or Chris? Any pros? Josh, pros? I was going to uh, give uh, Ramos his his due. I thought this was probably one of the better jobs that he's done on artwork. Yeah. And I think that's partially because he had a little bit more time and he wasn't, you know, so focused having to rush through it. I'm I'm digging his art. I, I dig it. I like that shot of uh, Spider-Man and Sea Returner's virtual reality. I mean, uh, Dr. Octopus's brain. <laughs> I was just going to make that joke. Like, in my head, I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Let's move on to cons now. Uh, what's some cons for the issue? Okay. Uh, may I? You may. Okay, so in Superior Spider-Man number four and five, we have this dilemma that, you know, Massacre is a serial killer, he must be stopped, and Dr. Octopus, uh, you know, says that the only way to stop him is to put him out of his misery forever, which I know J.R. loves very much. So we have this ending in the last issue where it's like, did he or didn't he shoot the guy? You know, it's a big, like, you know, like, did he kill the guy, did he not, what's going on? And this one, uh, you know, they very offhandedly say in the Avengers scene, you know, Spider-Man, he's, he's totally out of control. He's rude. He's reckless. He's endangering people. He shot a man in the head. He's, um, you know, not very nice. And I fought beside him in Avenging Spider-Man neighbor 18, and he was t- totally a douche. Like, here's the thing. And I, Josh and I talked about this a lot. I guess Superior brings out the arguments in us. But, but like, <laughs> I don't see how you can t- tell a story where, okay, granted, it's Dr. Octopus, but nobody knows that. Spider-Man, mm-hmm. for as far as New York goes, Spider-Man shot a guy in the face who was unarmed mm-hmm. and already neutralized, and not a damn person's talking about it. Not Mary Jane, not Carly Cooper, not anybody. I mean, they, they bring up the Avengers thing, but they're treating it like, you know, it's like kind of negligible. He killed an unarmed maybe, man in the head. Maybe they're wondering if he's dead, too, like the rest of the readers. No, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. It's like you know, even when know. even when Wolverine says like you know like oh we've all killed people. This is this is different than you know killing in self defense or killing. Like, he he killed somebody in the most like illegal way possible, and it was execution so style. To do that. That like yeah. I don't see how like I'm really upset that Mary Jane has not had a reaction shown to that. I really am. I, I think it's a dis- disturbance to the story. And I think that slot because he brought this this two issues worth of um uh, a potential drama and then chose to ignore it. That really makes me angry. That slot should have the next issue been address the murder. Well, he, they're just he put slipping down the rug. Yeah, you can't you can't like have a big dilemma there and then go through the dilemma and then like not address it if it's, if you make it a dilemma in the first place. And and then have a screwball story and jester story. Yeah, for real. I mean, I, I mean, like, I mean, I agree. I, I don't. I, I don't. You can't do that. I agree. 
Well, I, uh, I, wanted to, I wanted to address that, actually, because I don't yeah, yeah. think for sure Massacre's dead, because I think this very well could be another disingenuous um, plot idea that Slot's done. Like, remember what he did with the Hobgoblin? You know, he made the Hobgoblin, when, when Ben, or Ben, Phil killed him, he made him sound like Roddy, act like Roddy, you know, for all intents and purposes, it was Roddy, but then, oh no, it's Daniel. You know, let me, I mean, it, he brought that me, up in another interview recently. Yeah. Let, let me let me read you a quote, Jr. This is from Slot on Newsarama from today. "Quote: Massacre is dead. Period. I think what people are reading as ambiguous is what we can show you in a Spider-Man comic. We can't show you brain matter shooting on out of the back of a head early on in Big Time. There's the sequence where Montana falls to his death as the fist towers crumble. Editor Steve Wacker went to me and said, "Quote: Are we really killing Montana? This is a Lee Ditko character. I'm like a terrible tinker finds him, builds him a robot body. He's a dead robot cowboy now. That's what happens. Sure. Am I ever going to do that story? No, because." Someone could. If someone did a story where Massacre came back, I wouldn't blink. The hand found him and did their hand ritual on him. Now he's back. Who cares? But as long as I'm on the book, he got shot through the head, unquote. Okay, well, but, see, then, uh, then he's a very poor storyteller because <laughs> theori- th- theoretically this was a crucial key moment, you know, where and he's either because it would have been so horrible and people would have been jumping down Spider-Man's throat that – You know, he didn't want to get to that point yet. You know, he wasn't ready to get to that point, so we can't show it happening, you know, because that would actually be something realistic, and we can't have that until I'm done with my story. Um, Or he's he's pulling something, because you can show, you can pretty well make it clear Spider-Man killed somebody without doing this whole complete fake, vague thing that you did. Absolutely, absolutely. Guys, I I, I got to hang up. I'm I'm at a safety checkpoint. (laughs) What's that? I'll exp- i got to hang up right now. Sorry. All right. Bye. Yeah. He's got to put his booze of alcohol away before they discover it. What What do they do in Florida? A safety checkpoint? Is that like a sobriety checkpoint in Florida? And Josh so. fails every time. <laughs> he was just with children. If he was drinking, I'd be very, very disturbed. Well, no, I didn't say he was drinking. I'm wondering what a, a security checkpoint is. That's interesting. Your name, your number, your serial number, your susceptible well, diseases. Just to, um, just, just to sort of like, like just reiterate, like real quickly, I'm, I'm not going to take much time. The ending shows, um, uh, you know, J. Jonah Jameson laughing like he's J.R. Finninger, and Mary Jane saying, <laughs> <laughs> Mary Jane saying, no, Peter, that's not the, the way. Mary Jane reacts to, you know, uh, Jester getting punched in the stomach. We don't see her reaction to Spider-Man publicly in front of 30 people shooting a man in the face. Are we... Uh, does that does that not stri- does that not strike anybody else as wrong? Yeah, yeah. I mean what? something's either he's either be, he's being he's either being disingenuous with the story, or that's not as a really, Yeah, that's not real right. That's it's not really the direction he's going in. Yeah, I, I agree. Something's wrong with it. I mean, something's really wrong, and I think it's a storytelling problem. Yeah. Any um, other cons? That's a pretty big one. Uh, J- oh, J- uh, J- Jr. is insane. I'm sorry. Not, not, I'm sorry. Not Jr. Not Jr. But uh, J. Jonah Jameson's crazy. <laughs> JR is crazy. Well, I was about yeah. to say, I wasn't going to argue because, you know, I mean, <laughs> other people I mean, have said the same and worse. I mean, particularly the, the ones I live with. So I love it. <laughs> Any other cons? I'll, I'll just, cons? Uh, oh, go ahead, Chris. Go ahead. Yeah, okay. Um, I'll just throw my two cents in there because I agree with Don. I, when I read the end of number five, I was sure that it was intentionally ambiguous because Slot was going to do some kind of reveal with it. I don't know what he was going to do. I, I thought I, I was hoping that Massacre died because that would make it a more interesting story, but I didn't know where he was going with it. Because it really, like I was saying last month, it seems like he's choosing his words carefully to not say that he died, so we're wondering what happened. Um, but I guess if you read his interview, it's all because he felt like he couldn't show the violence, so it was inadvertent ambiguity. Which yeah, but I don't know. Like I've, re- I've seen, I've seen some pretty crazy violence in Marvel comics that would um, oh, yeah. dwarf the uh, like just sh- showing a guy get shot. Um, but yeah. you know, he I, had I wish- Phil, he's had Phil Urich pick up the Hobgoblin's disembodied head after cutting it off. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah and the uh, um, the Sentry ripped uh, Ares apart in that that miniseries, like that. What? Well, I act Sentry ripped Carnage in half. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, but in uh, Siege, you see, like, Ares' intestines flying everywhere. It's crazy. Aww. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I remember that. Um, but, so I wish that we got all these reaction shots that we got from the characters who see Spider-Man beating up these clowns. I wish, like, all, basically all of those were just them reacting to Spider-Man killing a guy, because that's kind of what the big deal is, and it really seems like Slot puts it on the back burner in this issue. Yeah. Uh, Captain America, his his line is, something feels off about this whole Spider-Man situation. Well no, well, no shit. He murdered someone. <laughs> you know, and, and I understand yeah. Wolverine saying, well, we all have murdered people, but the issue is that this is Spider-Man. He's acting dramatically different from how he used to. And I forget who said it last month, but they said that their enjoyment of issue five is very dependent on how the massacre comes that out. Was, was that you, that Chris? That was me. That okay, was me. Yeah. And my enjoyment of number five is is where it was because it, he really is dead. So that that story beat that I was interested in is wow. there. I just I want to see the ramifications of it now. And uh, on the list of people who I want to see confront Peter after he's killed someone, the Avengers are on the list, but they're pretty far down. But primarily, I want to see what Mary Jane thinks about it, and I want to actually see them interact about it. But it looks like we're, we need to get our cardiac story out of the way and our Avengers story out of the way before we're any anywhere near addressing that type of thing, which is a shame because I think that's what's the most interesting aspect of what's going on. Now, don't you think, though, the Fantastic Four might be a little bit curious, considering they're probably his closest friends in the superhero community who also know his secret identity? You know... Don't you Are they think in the time dilation portal? <laughs> no, no, no. Actually, they're they're in the uh, negative zone, so they don't know what the hell. Oh, really? Oh, gee, how convenient. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Bagley. That's a pretty good book. Fraction and Bagley on that. Anyway, let's move on to Superior Six AU. Oh, go ahead, Zach. What do you want to um, say? I'm sorry. We can sit there and show a masturbation scene, but we can't Whoa. show <laughs> definitively. <laughs> Uh, whether or not Massacre is God. dead, I mean, right. uh, I, 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 I'm sorry to go that graphic, Brad, but I mean, come on. Oh, he's right. Really? Yeah, we were talking about that a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. that it's so. I mean, that's such a cop out. I'm sorry. It's absolutely yeah. a cop out. All right, Superior Six AU. AU stands for Age of Ultron. Oh, Oh, Donzo Godding, he's not even started his review yet. Don, you've got this one. What goes down in this one besides your expectations? Well, no, no, no. I, I, I was oh Godding because I forgot that I was doing this. Um, oh. No, I, I, can, I can still do that. I, although this will be fairly brief because I can't get into too much detail because I'm not following Age of Ultron. Uh, Is any, anybody on the line following Age of Ultron? I am following Age of Ultron. Okay, gotcha. That's a, that's a, I got the wrong book. Um, so from what I, from what I ascertained... Uh, Peter Puss wakes up. Uh, I'm not sure. If, I'm not sure what's going on because I get the impression reading the comic that like he woke up and New York was foobard, but like he he looks like he just came from like some sort of battle because his costume's in battle damage mode. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll like I'll give it the context. Let let let, let Don give his thoughts and then you and I are going to chime in about the context or where it hit. Like, oh, okay, okay. I'll, I'll just go yeah. briefly. So he runs into the he runs into uh, Iron Man in Iron Man's like Tron suit. And um, they talk about, you know, what can we do? And, you know, everybody's – a lot of people in New York are dead. I know at one point uh, Iron Man uh, suggested a great idea to nuke uh, New York to try to find Ultron or something. And he says, yeah, that might kill off some future fires, but, eh, it's a comic book. So Peter Puss goes to Horizon Labs to get some supplies because he thinks if he can uh, have a neural interface into Ultron, he can kind of take him over because he's so superior. Nobody's smarter than him. And by, once he says that, you know he's going to be proven wrong. So he uh, laughs over Max Modell's, you know, Hawaii shirt-wearing skeleton and um, grabs his science. So he runs into um, Ultron androids, and he gets into this sort of, like, Marvel vs. Capcom-style fight. And he uses his spider bots to sort of, uh, you know, take, over, take them over. And he talks about how awesome he is at mentally controlling machinery technology, which he really is. And he's going, up, going after Ultron. But the moment he goes up against Ultron, it's kind of like how Matt Murdock went, went up against uh, the Kingpin in Born Again. He probably gets beaten. And um, he says he played me for a fool, and he barely escapes Ultron's fortress with his life. So the rest of the Avengers find him, and um, Ak learns the valuable lesson of teamwork, because if he had not shunted the Avengers' assistance before, he might have succeeded. But alas, you know, uh, New York is doomed. But at least he learns how to, how to trust his friends. Yeah. Here, here's a little setup of Age of Ultron, which is very confusing. 
Um, the first issue of Age of Ultron is basically Hawkeye going after Spider-Man. And when he gets him, it's, in my opinion, it's very much a Peter Parker Spider-Man, not Spock, that he goes and gets. Because the costume is very much original Spider-Man. Peter doesn't talk like he's Spock, etc. This spinoff, this is very much Ock. So I have no idea where this fits of the three to four issues that have been released of Age of Ultron. Zach, did you get that pretty much too? Uh, yeah, and part of the problem has been that this uh, parts of Age of Ultron were written over a year and a half ago. Oh, good. Okay. Um, I mean, we were teased with Age of Ultron in the first Marvel Point One book, the one that featured Scarlet yes. Spider. Yeah. So this has obviously been in the works for a very long time. Now, obviously, they had to change the uh, change the storytelling. Uh, it's it, as if they're releasing the book, and they were like, "Who's one of our best sellers? Spider Man. Let's put out a one shot, even though it doesn't make any damn sense. But we got to put it out anyway." Marvel would never do that. Come on, Brad. You have a- <laughs> <laughs> well, and and if you're. I, the problem with well, I'll, I'll get into that when I we get the cons because I'm yeah, yeah. Uh, go ahead, go go with your thought. Go ahead. Uh, okay, I'm sorry. Because I'm, I'm, I'm already conning it as we speak. I, that's true. The problem yeah. is if you're not following Age of Ultron, if you're just picking up Superior Spider-Man, you have no freaking clue what's going on. I am picking up Age of Ultron. I have no clue what's going on. Oh, that's the worst. And, <laughs> it, it, it's it's <laughs> basically it's this little side story that takes place, I guess, between like, Age of Ultron two and three. Because wasn't it two that he got? No, he got rescued in Age of Ultron one. Right, the first issue is a Spider-Man yeah. centric story, and it's very much Terminator end of the world. The robots have taken over. Now there is a couple of panels inside of the uh, Spider Superior Spider-Man tie-in that actually spoil. Who the central intelligence of Ultron is, if you look closely enough. If you no. don't read issue three, you won't know the context. So you almost have to read. This almost takes place like around issue three, because the very yeah very end of issue three is when the um, the reveal occurs of of who is you know really the mastermind of of this whole attack. And I don't want to say it because I know you're breeding it, Brad, so I'm not going to say it. No, no, I know who it is. I've read issue three. Oh, okay. So, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. It's, spoiler, it's the Vision. So, there you go. Anyway, Don, uh, did, what's your grade on the book? What, what do you think of this one? I'm going to give this a C plus because, granted, I didn't know what was going on, but, like, I didn't hate this one. I honestly thought that, um, is this Christos Gage? Yes. Yes. He, he wrote Peter Puss. A lot more. I, I like the way he wrote Peter Puss because Doctor Octopus in the story actively pretends to talk like Spider-Man, calling Iron Man shellhead and stuff. And he talks, you know, but while he thinks like Doctor Octopus, I don't know what's wrong with Dan Slott because that he can't do that. But like, it just makes so much more sense, especially during a crisis. And I thought that like the application of, of uh, you know, the way of, uh, Peter Puss's thought process was in this issue was fine. I mean, the whole teamwork thing was sort of dumb considering the circumstances. It's like you know. Seriously, that, that's the whole point of the issue. But it's to learn about teamwork. Yeah. It was, it was, it was, it was better than I thought it was going to be. Uh, let's go around the horn for grades. Uh, Zach, what's your grade? I want to give it a B. I like the artwork. Okay. Um, yeah, the artwork wasn't bad. And uh, it, it it kind of fills some of the gaps with Age of Ultron, but other than that, is. Uh, yeah. Chris, what's your grade on it? Uh, <laughs> C minus. Okay, Jr. I didn't read the damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would concur with Chris. I would give it a C minus. It's very unessential to the superior storyline, I think. But what you gonna do? Uh, cons, Chris? Didn't you have a con for this? You, yeah, you I freaking have a con for this. What the hell was <laughs> that? Um, what the hell was that? All right. So yeah, I'm one of those people who is only reading Superior Spider-Man, but not Age of Ultron, and. So you open this comic and suddenly the world's been destroyed and robots have taken over and <laughs> and uh, what the hell's going on? And you look at the recap page and like the day has come when Ultron has evolved or something like that and it doesn't explain what's going on. So I was very confused. Even just trying to take it as it come, like 
I, I, I there were times when I didn't even know what I was looking at. Like when he went <laughs> to see the the central the central intelligence, I guess he was you controlling one of his robots, but then there's like a panel where a giant Ultron is like blowing him up or something, and I'm like, I, I honestly did not understand what I was was being portrayed there. Um, That's funny. If you just read this like it's the next obvious issue of the superior title, and issue seven, the world's back to normal. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean that that could be jarring. I would think. Yeah. Yeah. It's just discom- yeah. when uh. Earlier, a couple weeks ago, I texted everybody, and I was, yeah. like, saying we should treat this like a spider satellite and just let Kevin review it, because it's really just a one-shot, and it's not doesn't have anything to do with Superior Spider-Man. It just, it's AU for Age of Ultron, number six, because it happens to be the same month that Superior Spider-Man 6 came out. Um, and I was not wrong. It really is just a one shot. I guess Max Modell is dead in one of these scenes, but yeah. is this an alternate reality or something? Like they're not killing Max that, Modell in this. That's a very good question because after three issues, we don't know what the hell's going on. Age, with Age of Ultron. Age of Apocalypse is an alternate reality, and so yeah. if this is the Age of Ultron, I mean, is is Marvel New York really completely destroyed? Well, like the thing is, they're going to reboot this. Mar- from a marketing standpoint, I understand. It, the, the issue will sell more copies if you make it a number 6.1, a 6 AU, whatever it is, than, say, a Spider-Man one-shot. The only people who I <sighs> are going to be fooled, though, are people who think they're just buying number 6. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> the problem, okay, here's, here's, here's the problem. It's for the completists, yeah. Here's the problem with, with the whole Age of Ultron thing. Bendis purposely made the miniseries to where you are completely and utterly discombobulated when you when you read it because you have no idea what the hell is going on. No. It, it, it's literally starting at a point where you're in the middle of the story. You have no idea how we got to this point and where we're going with it. it and and here's my uh, my thought on that because that that. type of storytelling does work sometimes because I'm curious where the hell we are. So I I have the curiosity factor. The last time I remember something like this happened was when you went from issue 251 where Spider-Man went into the thing in Central Park and the next issue he hops out in a black suit. You want to read and figure out what the hell went down in between there. So that's why you read Secret Wars. This uh, I, I understand that storytelling trick. But imagine if they just started at Secret Wars number four and didn't tell you how it even got there. That's, and I mean, then, like, the next yeah. issue, everything was completely back to normal. Yeah. It, well, with Secret Wars number one, they they started with uh, them getting on the uh, on the ship, etc. So they made you buy that issue. I understand. I understand. Right. But... Uh, it just, uh, it, yeah. Any other cons? All right. Let's move on to the next issue. We've got three issues to review. Actually, two and a one-shot if you go what what Chris said. (laughs) Uh, Chris, you've got this one. Superior number seven came out. Okay. Well, I actually have another theory. You're going to get Chris was right part two. Uh, you're gonna have a whole wardrobe, man. And this is a this is a pretty detailed one. I I put it on the message board, and I want to tell you what my theory is first, so I can tie the synopsis into it because there is actually a lot of evidence for this. And I I don't know how easy this is going to be to explain in uh, spoken form because it deals with brain science. Um, but in in a back in Amazing Spider-Man 700, Peter in Ock's body says he lost vision in his right eye. There's a throwaway line. He's talking about how all sorts of his organs are failing. But he one of the things he says is that he lost vision in his right eye. And if he had a stroke, that would mean that the stroke was in the left brain hemisphere because each hemisphere of the brain controls the opposite side of the body. So part of my theory is that by the end of 700, Peter had lost the use of his left brain hemisphere. And so when Peter beamed his mind back into his body at the end of 700, he was just beaming his right brain because that's all he had left. Um, and this, if you get the if you look at certain scenes with the idea that Peter the ghost Peter is only in the part of the brain that controls the left hand. 
there are clues that that's true because when he's trying to kill Boomerang with his left hand, Peter is able to stop him. And what, but when Otto is shooting Massacre, he's using his right hand to show that I guess Otto's in control because Otto is in that brain hemisphere. And I know this is sounding way out there, but there are actually like in this new issue, really, really great reasons to believe that this is true. Um, hold on. Let me find my notes for this issue. Uh, yeah, here we go. So, so at the beginning, um, the, this issue starts with Cardiac's alter ego, Elias Wortham. Uh, he has repurposed Mr. Negative's old homeless shelter into a medical clinic, and the public clinic um, is sort of, there's a public aspect that serves as a front to a more underground operation where he, as Cardiac, leads a team of doctors who offer legally, um, legally gray, like non-FDA approved procedures to poor people. And, uh, Cardiac is funding all this and getting the supplies through his, his crimes. Um, and then you cut to Otto sleeping and ghost Peter is, uh, trying to move his arm while Otto is asleep. And, and this is really interesting. This is the first part that plays into the theory that I just said about how Ghost Peter is entirely within the brain hemisphere that controls Peter's left hand. Because if you read the dialogue while Peter's trying to move his hand to write a note, he says, come on, right hand, good old righty, I need you for one more thing. But if you look at the art, he's actually clearly using his left hand. So I think, uh, going along with my theory, Peter thinks he's using his right hand because that's his normal dominant hand, but because he's stuck in the right brain hemisphere, he is actually using his left hand. Um, and when he tries to write the note, he um, he can't write it legibly, and he mentions that he's locked out of the language center of his own brain. And the language center, I looked this up, is in the left hemisphere. So if Peter is stuck in the right hemisphere, he cannot access his language center. That makes sense, wow. too. So this really, all, this really all does tie together. Um, next thing that happens, though, is... Uh, so, Cardiac, there's some kid that Cardiac wants to save, and so he has to steal a device from the Boneyard, which is a large warehouse where the police store confiscated evidence and uh, Spidey finds him there, and he uh, realizes that the device that Cardiac was trying to steal was the thing that Otto invented to allow his mind to communicate with his mechanical arms. And so since one of his inventions is being stolen by Cardiac, uh, Otto goes crazy. We get that, we get that one plot beat that Tony uh, <laughs> was talking about. Um, <laughs> So Otto like looks like he's going to beat the crap out of Cardiac, and Otto, he's going to punch Cardiac with his left hand, but Peter says don't do it, and then the left hand moves and just punches the wall to the side of uh, Cardiac, which is more evidence of my theory. And actually, another thing that I um, glossed the finger over... Thing? What's going on? Uh, is that... Had the finger thing happened? Yeah, yeah, that's what I glossed over. So there's a scene where Peter Puss is counting, and he's counting one, two, three on his fingers, and when it gets to three, it gives a close-up on his his fingers, and it is drawn to show how his fingers kind of lack flexibility. Like, you know how if you try and extend, if you hold all your fingers out, and you try to, like, curl just, just your ring finger, your pinky will go with it? Um, Spider-Man, you wouldn't think, has that problem because he does that swift gesture. He has an extreme level of finger flexibility, but somehow this panel is showing you that something's off with his left hand because he doesn't have the muscle control he normally would, and that, I think, is because Otto is um, dominant in the right hand. When he tries to count with his left hand, he doesn't have the same muscle control because I can't think of any other reason they would close up on his hand like that and draw it so weird because it's not a detail about hand anatomy that you would expect from Humberto Ramos. Um, <laughs> I mean, I must compliment you on the detail of thought that went into this. My goodness. Well, thank yeah. This is very good. It really man. all fits together. If you, if you, yeah. I, I wrote there. 
I wrote it all out on the message board in a message board post so you could track that down if you want to see like all the things that fit into this theory. The one thing that unfortunately doesn't fit into this theory is that he's using the wrong hand in avenging 15.1 when he punches a, a crook who's running past him and you know that it's, it's Ghost Peter making him do it in retrospect. So I, I could reconcile that by saying that that's not written by slot, so maybe they hadn't coordinated that. Or maybe it's not that Ghost Peter can only control the left hand, it's just that he's more dominant there. Um, so, so the implication of this theory is that either one, Otto or Peter, could per- theoretically purge the other one by just cutting out or suppressing that hemisphere of the brain. So perhaps Otto, like shuts down like the hemisphere that Peter is in and, and that's how he gets rid of him or something or maybe at the end of th- this whole superior Spider-Man storyline Peter can get rid of Otto but he has to get rid of his uh, his left brain hemisphere which is where all of his scientific skill is and so he can't do science anymore and maybe that's why he loses his Horizon job um, mm. you know there, there are possibilities if this theory is true but I thought there was enough evidence of it that I would bring it to the table Anyway, cool. but back to the back to the story. So, Cardiac gets away, um, and the Avengers are watching, and they uh, they call Spidey in, and they they cite his brutal behavior, including killing Massacre, and uh, the Avengers demand that Spidey submit to tests to verify his identity, and Spidey refuses, and so it looks like the Avengers are prepared to fight him over it. Yeah. What's your grade on it? What do you what do you Ooh, like? Uh, you know, I think this is my favorite issue of Superior Spider-Man, so nice. I, I give it an A minus. Okay. What's um, your pro? What's your con? I have a I have a lot of pros. Uh, I'll just start with my con because it's kind of a repetition okay. of the last issue. Is that they're just not getting to the the, the real fallout of uh, him killing Massacre. I mean. The, the Avengers are going to fight him, but that's such an incremental amount of progress from where the last issue ended off. The last issue, you know, the Avengers, a fight's coming between the Avengers and Spider-Man. The end of this issue, a fight's a really, really about to start between the Avengers and Spider-Man. For real. And it's <laughs> like, that's, that's barely any movement on that story. I, I appreciate, though, that people are mentioning it. Like, there's, there's, there should be no way that they could ever go back to being fooled by it. Um, so I, I like that it's moving along a little bit, just maybe not fast enough for me, but the stuff I like, first of all, I loved all those details because I, I legitimately was like getting really excited when I saw the, um, that he was using his left hand when he said he was using his right hand because that, um, that's sort of proof that there actually is some logic to all that crap I just said about brain hemispheres. <laughs> like, that, like there is something intentional here because the title of the issue is Right Hand Man. The uh, he says, oh. "Oh, I'm using I'm using old righty here," but he's clearly using his left hand. He's locked out of the language center, which is in the other brain hemisphere. So I, I'm thinking that has to be the answer. That has to be where this is going. Great details, great clues. Um, I I loved cardiac. He, uh, Me too. He, Me too. You really get to know what his motivations are. He's an interesting kind of character, like a Robin Hood of medical um, service. And I, I love the, uh, the the costume on Cardiac that they gave him with the the heart rate monitor zigzags on his shoulder pads. I, I think mm-hmm. that's a fun design. And that's any idea. The last time we saw Cardiac in a book, I don't know. It was probably before I uh, even started reading comics. The Michelini run. Yeah, yeah, back yeah. I don't think I've ever read like, a comic with Cardiac in it before. Cause it's before yeah, my time, it's been a long time. Um, but you know, he's a cool character. Uh, so you know, th- this was a really good issue. I loved it. Yeah. All right, let's go around the horn. What's your grade, Don? I don't know. Uh, I'm vastly between like a B minus or a C plus. Okay, Jr. I gave it a C. <laughs> and Zach, I give it a B. I give it an A minus. I'm with Chris on this. Uh, right. pros, ar- pros around the horn. JR, what'd you like about the book? Not much. I don't like cardiac at all, but I'll get to that in the cons. Okay. <laughs> Take that, Chris. There, well, what, what well. prevented it from being an F, JR? Well, I mean, what it wasn't that bad at a story, but <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd rather get into why I don't like cardiac when we talk about the cons. 
Well, we're on the pros now, so let's. I don't have any more pros. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't that bad. Is the the. Wasn't that bad? Was the pro okay? Don, what's your pro on the book? Um, I liked the art, and when I say art, I mean not only the penciling but the coloring. I thought this book looked really, really nice. Um, sorry, my throat's doing some weird stuff. Uh, Edgar Delgado has done some really good work on this stuff when he's paired up with Ramos, and I love all the scenes during the night where Peter's sleeping and you know this the fight with the cardiacs, uh, you know cardiac and Spider Man. Cardiac's costume. Is a fun, uh, you know, for costume for a villain for Spider-Man because it's that really kind of like comic booky blue, and it really contrasts because I actually like Spider-Man with blue, so like now that uh, Superior Spider-Man has black, it's kind of a nice, interesting thing. And with the electro bolts and everything, it it looks very, very like you know, it kind of pops off the, pops off the page. I thought that was really nice. One thing I liked about it is, you know, you you were very sympathetic to the villain, which in this book was Carnage, but he was. Etc. It's it's very different to not root for the the hero of the book. Because uh, I was not rooting for Spider Man to go after Cardiac because he was trying to get something to save a little girl. So it's very it's a different kind of read to a Spider Man story where I'm not rooting for Spider Man. So I, I I thought that was kind of a unique twist because you were after Cardiac. I also like the fact that we're finally having Peter do something other than piss. Yes, yes. Uh, Ghost Peter did something. Oh, yeah, so I that, didn't mention in my synopsis that now Otto can sort of hear Ghost Peter sometimes. That's a, yes, that's a, that, I like that, too. I, finally, we're getting something on that. Pro, uh, pro Zach. Um, you know, y'all just mentioned my pro, the fact that Ghost Peter is doing something other than whining inexplicably, just about, yeah. oh, poor pitiful me, I can't do anything. And he's actually being proactive instead of reactive. Um, exactly. He's, he's getting off his ass after It's seven. almost like he's in character. <laughs> Seven exactly. AU issues. <laughs> seven AU issues, exactly. Oh yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> oh, oh you. Oh you. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I agree with yeah. Don. The artwork was particularly strong. I, I think. I think uh, that because he had a little bit of time to kind of not be as rushed as he has been with his last couple of of arcs, Ramos. It just it helps his artwork immensely. I think the way he's drawing the eyes of Spider Man really kind of Bagley esque, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, just the way in the detail, particularly Ultimate Spider Man. Uh, I just think that the detail of of the artwork is so much better because he's not in such a rush deadline. Gotcha. All right, uh, let's do cons. What did we not like about the issue? This might- Jr. Oh. It sounds like Jr. has the most cons. Well, well, Don- Donovan was jumped in enthusiastically, so I would imagine he has oh, something yeah. enthusiastic to say. Don? Yeah, not really. Um, it, it, <laughs> it's not, it's not, I, I was I wasn't as irritated like the last year. I was just I'm just uh, I'm just young and impulsive. Do you have a con? I, well, I mean, this might be answered with uh, Chris's theory or something, or something like that, but I don't understand, like, you know, okay, so uh, during ASM 698 and then 700, uh, Ock is privy to all of, you know, Spider-Man's um, memories, and, you know, then at the very end, uh, uh, Peter gave him, like, you know, a, a big overhelping with uh, his thoughts and memories. I don't get how he can just see Cardiac and, like, not know his deal, because uh, Ghost Peter's saying, like, no, no, he's not a bad guy. Ock should see Cardiac and... Wouldn't you automatically think, okay, Cardiac, he's obviously fought Spider-Man before, what's his deal? And then, like, all of your information that, that Peter had would go to him. Why is he saying, stop, villain, or I'll kill you? That, that, it's like Slot's kind of playing along with the whole villain as a hero aspect and forgetting his own rules. Uh, well, he didn't access his memories, remember? Well, that's, that's stupid in the first place, but it's like, does, can, does he have to do that, or, or is it automatically given to him? I don't, I don't understand. Well, it, it's kind of hard to play the game. You don't know all the rules. He's writing the damn story. Uh, (laughs) He's just not explaining the rules is what's going on, Don. I I concur with Chris, though. It's like, you know, the governor still has not gone out of Jameson saying, what the hell is wrong with you? Arrest this murderer now. But um, I think that might be it. Also, I can't can't talk about this too much because I can't, like, you know, if I just concentrate on stuff I always say, that, that makes me bitter and, you know, resentful. But, like, I don't like the dialogue. You know, I, I, I kind of like Cardiac, but, like, and I'm sure he was written this way uh, by Michelani, but, like, his opening dialogue where he's like, you know, how ironic, as a crime lord, Mr. Negative Martin Lees uses facility uh, good works to hide his evil endeavors. And now, as <laughs> you, a cardiac, I use it, like, no one does. Slot talk again, right? Yeah. 
Uh, I think he was a little melomaniacal. Maniacal? Thank you. Thank you. Megalomaniacal, yeah. Stumble over that. I think he was like that with Michelinie, too. Kind of ham-fisted, kind of over-the-top dialogue. Yeah, I don't know what he was, because Michelinie did write like that. But at the very same time, I mean, it's 2013. we got to move it up somehow. Right. Let's hear Jr.'s cons. He's got a lot of them. Well, <laughs> well, first of all, um, it, it's on the subject of Ghost Spidey. Um, yeah. You know, and getting back to the fact that you know, supposedly Doctor Octopus in his body killed a man. I mean, wouldn't Ghost Spidey be just absolutely agonizing about that? Wouldn't that even be on his, uh, you know, wouldn't that be weighing him down? Wouldn't he even be thinking that? We're talking about, like, well, you know, why didn't Mary Jane confront Peter about killing Massacre? Why isn't Ghost Spider-Man just absolutely freaking out? But, you know, here at the end of number seven, he's, you know, uh, uh, clasping his hands and wishing he had some ghost popcorn so he could, you know, watch the beatdown the Avengers are going to give Otto in his body. And, you know, it's like, Oh, wait a minute! No, wait a minute! It's, no, 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 no! If you saw a man, ki- if you saw someone kill a man with your by your own hand, that would be like you'd be that would be prevalent on your mind. So th- this is just yeah. more disingenuous storytelling. Um, and like I said, I don't like cardiac because I think cardiac. I call him the sworn enemy of managed healthcare. Um, but. <laughs> <laughs> But this is the, the one who, writer who created him, David Michelinie, and, and uh, Slot has fallen in his footsteps here, is taking a far too sim- broad and simplistic approach to our healthcare issues. You know, I mean, it's all due to evil conspirators. The reason we have a healthcare crisis is there are evil conspirators deliberately withholding needed medical treatment or scientific advances. You know, how about the, you know, how about the fact that we have a deeply flawed insurance system, we have various other legal structure on cultural issues, and how about the fact that not all doctors are f- f- friggin' Dr. Kildare, you know? All these doctors, you know, sit around and Oh, they're all so good-hearted and well-intended, and oh, it feels good to say, you know, damn the cost, and you know, and and then there's this, <laughs> and then there's, I mean, <clears throat> you know, hey, and then there's, and I'm trying to flip to this one scene because I, 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 I here we go, oh, and then like proceed with the artificial plant transplant. You sure, Mister Hanslow's low on every wait list. And that, Susan, is exactly why he's here. You know, like this is something good and noble. Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Maybe maybe he's low on the wait list for legitimate reasons. Maybe the others higher on the wait list are, oh, I don't know, children maybe? Or people who are closer to death? You know, he's low on the wait list for a reason, folks. Um you know, and and it's and, and so, but this is a noble. We, we're doing this noble thing. It's like no, 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 no. Wait a minute, you know. And let's talk about how the doctors all, you know, circle the wagons when one of their own is incompetent and needs to be fired or right, ripped from or his license ripped from him, you know. But you know, and how they all close ranks and won't rat him out. Yeah, right. So no, I do, I don't like cardiac and I don't like this this simplistic approach to, you know, uh, our healthcare issues. Let's give a little history of Cardiac. I, I, I looked it up, and um, his first appearance was in 1990 in uh, Amazing Spider-Man number 342. As we mentioned earlier, David Michelinie, Eric Larson created him. Uh, and looks like it. I, I don't know his, his total appearances, but I'm going by what this says on the MarvelWiki.com. Uh, first appeared in 340. He stuck around. Uh, on Amazing, at least until Amazing 360, I see that him on the cover there. Was he in Spider-Man Unlimited? Was he in Maximum Carnage? Jr. Do you remember? No, he wasn't. Not that I recall. No, uh, no he wasn't. It's, it, he was like so, the only '90s character that was not in Maximum. That Carnage. was not. In, uh, was he in 388 of Amazing? It says he's in this. If we go by Mickey, that's the one where uh, Life Theft, where the robots are revealed to be Spider-Man's parents. Yeah, so I think he was in there briefly. He was also in uh, Fear Itself, The Homefront, Issue 3. Was he really? Yeah. That's, I guess that was the most recent appearance. He was also in Spider-Man, Web of Spider-Man uh, 107 and 108. And I guess Wolverine, Volume 2, Number 140. I have no clue what that's about. 
So anyway, that's a little bit that that was almost like a Bertoni bio of cardiac a little bit. We weren't going to get it otherwise. <laughs> we yeah exactly yeah Josh unfortunately can't come back. He's got other things that are pressing, so uh, he can't come back at this point. So all right, let's see. I, I even lost where we are. That was the cons. Who else has got a con of this issue? No one. Chris, no cons. Okay. No cons, Chris. Chris, well, I knew somebody would do it. Chris fell asleep. <laughs> it's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. Chris, I thought it would be the old time. man first. Oh, well. I know. I thought you'd go go to sleep first, Jer. Going once more time for Chris. Still, I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> oh, there you are. What uh, happened? What happened? With my microphone, uh, my keep my uh, finger pad got wet, and um, I couldn't What's unmute myself. What is that? What's that uh, sound in the background? I think I need to clean something up. Um, that's how I'm taking my laptop with me to do it like a moron. Um, my my only real con is that I, uh, I I I still don't like how they're just sort of putting the Spider-Man kill the person on the back burner. And we'll wrap the show up right about there. Before we go, I want to give another shout-out to our sponsor, MailOrderComics.com. Another example of their great prizes is on Superior Spider-Man number 12. In this issue, the raft is in complete shutdown, and Spidey is trapped with all the villains he's put in there over the last 12 issues. Now, the cover prize is $3.99. Mail order has it for just $2.47, which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at MailOrderComics.com. Thanks for listening, gang. I'm your host and webmaster, Brad Douglas, for the SpiderManCrawlspace.com.